Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Today, we're talking about the invisible cost of financing, and that is opportunity cost. We're going to help you evaluate the whole cost of financing so you're not robbed by the silent wealth destroyer of lost opportunity cost. We're your host. I'm Rachel Marshall, and this is Bruce Weiner. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Rachel. Um, opportunity cost is, so, is such a misunderstood situation. I finally had a, an actual client uh, say to me one year, so what you're saying is it's the missed opportunity to make money on the money you would have put somewhere else. And I go, yeah, I mm-hmm. guess that's a very simple way of, of saying it. So we'll talk about that. The other thing I want before we get started is, is um, you know, we've kind of framed this around um, business owners uh, thinking about their financing costs. And, but also this works in a the, in the business owner's personal economy or anybody that's not a business owner that's listening to this, uh, we can frame this around people's own personal economies also. Yes, absolutely. And thank you for that because we do want to focus on both your business financial life and personal financial life. And we're going to bring those both into the conversation today. So let's set the stage a little bit for this conversation. We have just discussed the dis- the limitations of the spending way of life or the saving way of life in the last podcast. And we talked about the spender is a person who doesn't have cash and they can only finance. We also talked about the saver who saves up cash and then pays cash for major purchases or large ticket items. We looked at those limitations and then we also discovered these superpowers, if you will, that a steward has, and they have the ability to create wealth by controlling capital and having access to it and earning uninterrupted compound interest. So what we're going to do today is we're going to pull back the curtain and we're going to look at the whole cost of financing. So we're going to help you see the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And and I say that a little tongue in cheek, but often we look just at face value of our decisions financially. But instead of just looking at the face value, we want to understand the whole truth and also make that as simple as possible so it's not overly complicated. So we want to help you understand, regardless of how you finance, what that whole cost of financing is, not just today, but also in the future and over your lifespan. And when you take those into consideration, it will help you make the best choices. So instead of just looking at things from face value and judging the book by its cover when it comes to making financial choices in purchasing, we want to help you understand what's inside each purchase decision. And instead of making capital outlay choices out of fear, we want to help you be empowered to increase your wealth potential through the choices that you make. And instead of having mental shortcuts that cause you to lose control, we want to give you a system of thinking that puts you in greater control. So today we're going to answer what are the real whole costs of financing over time? And what are the real whole costs of paying cash over time? And help you then Take that information and evaluate it to figure out what the best decisions 
are that will give you the most control. So where does this fit in the cash flow system? Well, as you understand your financing decisions, you can keep and control more of your cash and increase your cash flow. And that's part of level one or stage one of the cash flow system, increasing your cash flow. When you keep more today, you have more to save, more to invest in cash flowing assets. And when you limit your whole costs of financing over time, you keep in control more and ultimately increase your options. So let's dig in. So Bruce, I feel like the first thing that's most important to understand around this is just the concept of opportunity cost, not using any numbers yet, because I I want to really build this from the ground up. So as we just talk about the concept of opportunity cost, you brought in this really powerful concept last time, and it's something that I really want to drive home. And that's this idea that you're always financing. Can you share that? Yeah, you're when a person uh, says, well, I don't want to put any anything or I don't want to uh, finance anything, what they're really, because they want to pay cash for it, what they always forget, and it's a, and it's easier now for the last, oh, let's say 10 to 15 years, although it, it started to trend downward for the last 30 years, it's easier to say that because you're saying, well, I can't keep in the bank because the bank's paying me 0.015%. So mm-hmm. why would I want to pay to finance something because I cannot uh, get some traditional compounding on my money that even comes close to the financing. So people are always like, oh my goodness, um, I don't want to, I don't want to finance anything. I just, I want, I want to stay out of debt. But the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is you're always financing things, even if you pay it for cash with cash, because you lose the opportunity to make money on that money when you are actually paying cash for it. And that's a right. that's a mindset, and it, it comes down to the mindset of of what you think is uh, you can actually make more than your financing cost. Then, then if you truly believe that, then why would you uh, tie your cash up? Um, mm-hmm. There's a great thing in in real estate. You know, it's it's about what's well, not only real estate, but oftentimes people look at this as how much cash do I have in the deal. And how much am I making on that cash, on my return, on just the cash, not the financing part, but just the cash. So when you look at all those things, that's what people are, it's usually from a fear perspective when they say, oh, I just want to pay uh, cash for things. Right. Because really what's happening is this idea just behind all of the scenes here is you always finance because you're always paying interest. And just in very simple terms, that just means that if you finance, there's a very clear interest cost, and that's easy to see. Mm -hmm. But when you pay cash, you're paying interest by giving up the ability to earn interest. And so both of those are the opportunity costs. So let's say we have an example. Last time we talked about the spender, the saver, and the steward. Now, I earlier today... I earlier today showed the difference between those two or those three. The spender has no cash of their own, so they have to finance. The saver has cash, so they have the choice, but they usually pay cash instead of financing. And the steward then builds up 
cash reserves and then chooses to keep their cash earning compound interest in finance. So what we want to do today is take an example. If you had the cash, what is the difference between financing or paying cash? So really, this is the comparison between being a saver and being a steward. So we're saying in either example, we have the cash, we can choose to pay cash or choose to finance. And conceptually, what is happening here is if you choose to finance, the opportunity cost of financing, let's take a look at what is the opportunity cost of financing? Well, you're going to pay interest and that interest and principal that you pay in your monthly payments is going out your cash flow no longer to be able to make money. So you're not only losing the dollar of the monthly payment, you're also losing what it could have earned for you if you had kept it. So that's looking at something with the cost plus the opportunity cost. The cost is the physical dollar amount that's going out in your payment. The opportunity cost of that is what it could have earned had you kept it. So that's the cost and opportunity cost stacked together for financing. But what about paying cash? Well, if we pay cash, we lose our cash. So we didn't only lose the cash, but we also lost what it could have earned for us had we kept it. So Bruce, does that, is that coming across clearly? Do you think in terms of what is the concept of the cost and the opportunity cost of each choice? Yeah, I think it's coming. I think it's coming across very clearly and it seems elementary, but for whatever reason, I, well, I think a lot of the reason is, is that we are taught by either our parents or indirectly we're taught by financing companies to worry about the interest rate. You you will get uh, a home loan and people say, hey, we have the lowest interest rates. Or you'll get a credit card application and say, hey, we have the lowest interest rates. Oh, you get a car, you buy it, you go buy a car and they tout, oh, we can get you the low, lowest interest rates. So it's, it's now I'm not saying that interest rates are not important, but what they forget to tell you is the opposite is also true. When you, mm-hmm. when you use and um, and, and try to avoid paying those interest rates by using cash or capital, you're also losing the opportunity to make money on your money. So if people can grasp that concept, not only intellectually, but emotionally, that's mm-hmm. a very important thing to overcome. Oh, absolutely. And I think one of the ways that this ties into the emotional aspect, because we all make emotional financial decisions. I mean, we think that we make logical choices, but really we don't. I mean, we really do what feels best, even if the math doesn't support our choice usually. So what we want to do is then take our awareness and wrap it around those financial decisions and choices and say, how am I making this choice? What is the math? What is my emotion? What feels the best? But how am I actually making this instead of just making it unconsciously? And what really, <clears throat> what I see helping me to understand those choices and emotionally wrap my mind around them is understanding the cost over time. And so when you look at another concept that we want to bring in here is time value of money. And what that simply means is that money doesn't just have a value to you today. If you apply a rate of interest to that in terms of growing the money, it will expand over time. So if you save money every month and that's growing at a rate of interest, it's going to be more in the future than it was 
just if you had no interest. If you just added, you're actually multiplying that money. And so as we look at the time value of money in relationship to the cost and opportunity cost of our choices today, sometimes, actually all the time, when we have dollars flowing out of our control in any capacity, that shrinks our future wealth potential because we have less money to work with in the future, less money that's growing, and less money that we'll have to expand into cash flow in the future. And so that's why our choices today are almost like a seed. And as we nurture that seed and make sure that we protect it as much as possible, we expand our future potential. And that's why I think it's so important to understand the cost and the opportunity cost. Yeah. And before you get into calculating the opportunity costs, I I want the listeners to realize that it may sound like on occasion, like we're saying, well, that doesn't make any sense. Sometimes you're saying that you, you really need to be a saver and save up. And then other times you're saying, oh, wait a minute, use financing. Um, so you're like, well, why are we saving if we can use financing? I mean, I can see it working, get very, very confusing for a listener. But what we're actually saying is that you have to analyze each and every one of your your financial decisions. It's not just all oh, you pay cash for something or all 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 you ever do is finance something. You have to actually analyze each one of these decisions to see which one would possibly work best for you. I'm going to bring in something I think I brought in to um, to the conversation several podcasts ago. When, you, when I talk to business owners and I make this statement and I say, hey, if I, if I gave you $100,000 and you went and paid off an equipment lease, let's just say, and it saved you 7%, and that's all I said you could do. Here's $100,000, go pay off the equipment lease, and it paid you 7%. You would save 7%. But if I told you, here's $100,000, Put it into your business any way you see you see fit. How much do you think you can increase your rate of return on that money through all the aspects of your business? And many of the business owners say, well, oh, I think I can increase profits by 15 or 20 percent. So there's an example of automatically when people get an influx of money, they think, oh, I'm going to save my financing costs and save that 7 percent. They forget they could take that money and put it somewhere else where it could actually get them a rate of return that could be greater than their financing costs. And business owners, the ones that actually stop and think, they actually get this. And that's what we're trying to get across to people, not only in their business economy, but in their personal economy. Absolutely. And I think one of the ideas that you brought out is that it could be confusing. We're saying, yes, save your money. And then we're saying um, to make sure that you're financing as well. And the, the, I guess, beacon to come back to the, the thing that is always true is that when you have cash, you can be in control. And the reason that we're talking about financing as opposed to just paying cash is that when you finance, you have the and you have the cash available that you could pay the cash, but instead you choose to finance, you're putting yourself in a position where you're keeping control of that capital and you are leveraging to be able to put other people's money to work and you're able to earn a greater return by doing that. And so 
We're not saying only finance. We're not saying only be a saver. It's using the two concepts in combination that gives that power. And we'll bring that back in the end. But I really think that was helpful, Bruce, that you brought that um, potential confusion up because I think that's a, a really important thing to understand. So let's calculate the dollar amount of opportunity cost if we chose to finance or pay cash. And this might sound complicated, but we want to break it down and keep it as simple as possible. So let's just imagine you had $100,000 sitting in cash and you wanted to buy something that cost $100,000. And you're deciding, should I pay cash or should I finance this? So if you took a $100,000 loan and you plug that into a loan calculator and you gave that a 5% interest rate over 30 years, you're going to come up with a monthly payment of $537. I'm rounding a little bit, so it makes it sound a little easier. So $537. What's going to happen with that loan is your total interest cost is going to be $93,256. So you're paying almost $100,000 of interest plus the $100,000 of principal, and the total that you will pay on that $100,000 loan is $193,000 and some change. Okay. So when we compare financing versus paying cash, we want to hold all the variables steady. This is something that I learned really powerfully from Kim Butler. When you have any comparison, you want to only change one factor, not three or four elements, because if you do that, you're not going to have an apples to apples comparison. And it's going to be hard to figure out where the change came from. Mm -hmm. So in this example, we want to say, we're going to hold the interest rate steady. We're going to say, if you earn 5% on your money, if you kept it, and if you pay 5% on financing cost. So if you have the loan, it's a 5% loan. If you're earning in your cash account, that's 5% rate of return. We're going to hold the interest rate steady. And um, it's we're going to bring in at the end ways that you can increase the rate of return on your earning capacity of your money as well. But just for the sake of the discussion, let's hold those interest rates steady. Now, in addition to that, we're going to have equal time frames. So we're going to say 30 years on the paying cash versus 30 years on financing. What does that time frame look like? The only change between the two purchase decisions is going to be, did I take a loan or did I pay cash? So let's just analyze this real quickly. So if you pay cash, you had the 100000 you pay cash, your cash account's going to drop to zero, right? Mm-hmm. So what are you giving up? you are giving up the ability to earn interest. So if your 100,000 had stayed in that account, 100,000 compounding at 5% over the course of 30 years would have grown to 446,774. So we're just going to call that 446,000. So that's what you're giving up by paying cash. You're giving up the ability to earn that 4,000 446,000. So you can't create that over the next 30 years because you use that cash. Now, at the same time, remember we calculated the financing cost. We had said, well, that monthly payment, if we took a loan of $100,000 at 5% over 30 years, that payment would have been $537. So in the case where you're paying cash, still on the same paying cash example. We can't earn 446000 in our cash account because we use the cash 
but we also don't have to make a monthly payment, right? Correct. 537 per month for 30 years at 5%. Right. So it could be argued that you say, well, I don't have to make this payment. There's no loan to pay off because I used my cash and that's why I paid cash because I didn't want to have a loan in the first place. I didn't want that $537 going out of my control each month. So I don't have the payment. So I don't have to make the payment to the loan if I used $537 each month after paying cash for this purchase and I save that up every month in a cash account over 30 years, $537 every month, that's 360 months, earning at 5% interest, and you can calculate this on your own as well with the time value of money calculator, that account would grow to $446,774. So what that's saying is that, well, you could You gave up the ability to earn it by keeping the cash in the account, but you could earn it a different way by saving up money every month and getting up to the same exact dollar amount. Does that make sense, Bruce? Is that coming across clearly? Yeah. it's If people just think about it like this, um, if you would would just save the $100,000 in your account, and let's just clarify this for people that the, when we say, and I don't, even sophisticated people, I think have a difficult time with this. When we say it's an annual, 5% 5% compounded, it it means that when you make the 5%, it doesn't go down. The next year you make 5%, not only on the 100,000, but on the previous year's 5%. And then that process just keeps repeating for 30 years. A lot of people look at it on variable costs, such as the stock market, and they say, well, we average 5%. Well, averaging 5% and having 5% compounded are two different things. And then I'll oh, and then I'll throw in one other one. There's something called simple interest. And that is just 5% that doesn't compound. But then the next year, it's 10% of the total value. The next year, it's 15% of the total value. It's a little different. And there are things even like Social Security does not compound. It actually is. It actually goes up by simple interest. Those are two different things. So if you understand the three different things, averaging 5% going up, compounding uh, 5% going up, and simple interest 5% going up, those are three different things. So the so And this one's using this compounding. This one's using compounding. And the reason this we're using compounding is that we are comparing it to uh, actually taking a loan of 100000 and, the, and then having a payment that's like a reverse compounding effect. So you're paying $446,774 rather than earning $446,774. So then if we look at the opposite scenario, we, we just discussed having $100,000 paying that, that $100,000 in cash for our item we wanted to purchase. Now let's look at what happens with the cost and the opportunity cost, if we had the 100,000 and we chose to finance, we took out a loan for $100,000. So in this case, you keep your cash, which means you're going to get the cash growth on that account. So instead of giving up the 446,000, like you did when you paid cash, you are going to earn that. You're keeping your cash in the account. And that cash, the $100,000, over 30 years, have 5% annual rate 
of return is going to grow to four hundred forty-six thousand minus your no. minus your original one hundred thousand. So it actually grows by three hundred forty-six thousand. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what you're getting. Now, what are you giving up? You are giving up the monthly payment. So this was your payment of what was it? $537 that you're now going to have to pay each month. And what's interesting about that payment is again, if you lose the dollar, you didn't only lose the dollar or paid the dollar, it went out of your control. That's what I mean by losing. You lost the ability to earn anything with that dollar and what it could have produced if you'd kept it. So instead of just paying interest and principal only, if you'd kept those payments, the 537 per month, and earned 5% on that compounded over time, the interest and principal payments at interest would have been $446,774, the same exact amount that you're losing. So what we're showing here is that if we look at the cost and opportunity cost of the money, it boils down completely to this. If your earning rate and your loan rate are equal over the same time span, you will have the exact same outcome by paying cash or by financing. In either case, you will end up at the end of the rainbow, at the end of 30 years, with $446,000 in your account. Now, the question is, did you actually save the money over time? Did you actually keep it in the account over the full 30 years? So there's those variables that we would have to take into consideration as well. But given the situation of, I have $100,000, I want to pay cash or finance. If you can earn the same rate of return that you would pay if you took a loan, if those interest rates were equal, the cost, the full cost, the opportunity cost of both choices is equal because you have the ability to create 446000 at the end of 30 years. So given this information, how do we make the best decisions then? Because we know interest rates are not always equal. Usually we're not earning as much as we're paying. So Bruce, we talked about this even before mm-hmm. at the beginning of the show. And the main point then is really to stay in control. So how do we stay in control with this information? You know, I was talking to a client just yesterday and I try to be, I try to sound really smart with everything that I do. And then I realize there is only one word that you really have to keep coming back to. And that word is control and control in every aspect of your life. But because then if you're in control, you can actually pivot in any time to actually, and you have the cash available to actually then seize opportunities. So if you can, if you can keep that money in control, then when a, when something presents itself, whether it's um, whether it's something that you research, whether it's something that people come to you with, as we've, we've talked to on many occasions, we believe that um, opportunities find cash. And so having that money in control is just a wonderful thing to have. It's a hard concept mentally to, for people to wrap their heads around and and I know I'm repeating myself, but this is a very important thing is because people say to themselves, well, I'm not earning any money in a bank anyway. But there, but there mm-hmm. are other places that you can 
have the money stored for you, whether it's um, in specially designed uh, life insurance where you can get a better use of the money, whether it's even uh, the money that you have in a home equity line of credit, you could do that. Um, even if it's even if it's in um, some other kind of business that you could draw a line of credit on the business, there's a variety of ways that you can do this where you stay in control. Um, so that's what I think the, the main thing is not to focus on whether um, paying interest or, or uh, st- uh, uh, gaining interest, but whether I'm in control. Absolutely. And I think that control means I have this cash that I can get to and I can use it. And what happens then if we, I call this a banana curve, and it might be a little bit difficult to hear through a podcast, um, but in the show notes, we'll have an image that will help with this as well. Imagine if you were in a position where at the start of your 30 years, you had $100,000 of cash, and that grew with this little exponential upward curve over 30 years and became 446000 That's what's happening when you keep your cash and choose to finance because your cash is going to continue to grow starting at 100000 growing upward to 446000 In the other situation, if you choose to drain the cash account and then save your monthly payments, you are going to start out at the beginning at the zero year mark at $0. And each month you're going to put in $537 and grow that at interest. And at the end of the same 30 years, you're going to end up at that same point, that 446000 But every year along the way, the person who chose to pay cash has had less money in their control over that, I guess, 29 years and, <laughs> and 11 months and, and 29 days up to that point of the end of the rainbow. And so I call it a banana curve. They start at two different spots and they both curve upward, ending at the same point. So you could say 30 years out, they're equal, but the person who kept their cash started at a much higher position and had more cash the whole time leading up to it. And so that's what we mean by control. Having cash in your control where you can access it, you can use it for whatever you choose to, puts you in a position where you're not strapped if you come across a situation where there's an emergency or an opportunity that you want to take advantage of. And that control is completely invaluable. So Bruce, as you mentioned, one of the ways that you can improve this is to earn higher rates of return on your cash. And yes, we do advocate using specially designed life insurance for that. You can also find ways to pay less on your finance costs, which having cash as collateral will allow you to have a secured loan and be able to have lower interest rates as well. So with this information, then you have a choice to make and you can continue to pay cash the way that you have in the past, perhaps to not pay interest. But I would challenge you to value the cost of your capital. That's really what this all boils down to is valuing your capital, valuing having your capital in your control and recognizing that there is a cost to paying cash. And it's more than just the dollars you use today. It's what you have taken away from your future ability to earn and create. So if you recognize that the cost of paying cash can silently steal your wealth potential, 
you have that opportunity then to step into a new paradigm as a steward and a wealth creator by valuing your capital, maintaining control, that all-pervasive, very important word, and getting that to then earn a higher rate of return. So to shrink your behind-the-scenes opportunity cost and maximize your ability to earn uninterrupted compound interest, we do ask you to consider using specially designed whole life insurance as a place to store cash. That gives you the ability to then earn a guaranteed rate of return that's higher than bank rates, as well as getting highly anticipated dividends, which further accelerate and amplify that growth and the performance of your cash value. And then additionally, that money is in your control because you have the ability to borrow against it. And you're also able to earn an external rate of return if you utilize that cash value by borrowing against it, being a steward, and utilizing that in other opportunities that generate additional rates of return. So to find out more about how to utilize this privatized banking strategy, you can reach out to schedule your financial picture conversation. And you can do that by emailing us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or by visiting themoneyadvantage.com slash contact. Now, this strategy might be right for you if you're already consistently saving cash or you have cash reserves, but you'd like your cash to earn more and still be liquid and available to you. So if you want to reach out for a financial picture conversation, we'll help you discover dollars that are flowing out of your control so that we can strategize ways to get more flowing back into your control, increase your cash flow, and have an end result that you have more of your capital to retain and utilize in your lifetime and also having more to pass on to future generations. You can email us also to request that conversation or to give us your comments and your feedback and your questions as we'd love to hear your feedback and then discuss it on the show as well. Thank you to you, our listeners. Thanks, Bruce, for being with us today. Yes, that's great. And remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. To learn how high-performing entrepreneurs 10x or more returns on liquid capital without giving up quick access to cash, go to themoneyadvantage.com forward slash liquid dash capital to get The Unfair Advantage, your 20-minute easy-to-read guide on maximizing your savings. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.